Welcome to the International Curriculum Specialist Series, where Fieldwork Education interviews both experts and educators on how best to improve our learning. In this episode, I interview teacher and IMYC coordinator Maria Kutsa-Paki from Futureskolan International School of Stockholm in Sweden. I asked Maria what some of her best practices are in which to plan and implement a knowledge harvest, or what some may call a pre-assessment within a school. Maria provides practical strategies on how to structure and incorporate technology with the knowledge harvest. She also addresses common errors that teachers typically make in the process to facilitate learning, and highlights the importance of revisiting the knowledge harvest throughout the unit to check for new learning and understanding. I'm Lee Hendricks, International Curriculum Manager for the Middle Years here at Fieldwork Education, and welcome back to the International Curriculum Specialist Series. Joining us today is Maria Kutsupaki from Futurskolan International School of Stockholm in Sweden. After completing her BA in English, Language and Literature in Greece, she was head of the Languages and Humanities Department for three years in Futurskolan. Since 2016, she has been teaching English in the IMYC. And for the last year, Marie has been an IMYC coordinator, and in 2020, she led the Futurskolan International School's IMYC through a successful reaccreditation process. I would like to warmly welcome Maria to our specialist series. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, so we like a backstory to find out where you've come from. So we'd like to know what led you to education and could you tell us a little bit more about your school? Yes, definitely. So I have always been passionate about languages and language learning and therefore it was quite natural for me to end up studying to become a language teacher in English language teacher. Um, during my studies, I realized that I was really interested in linguistics, so in the theoretical aspects of language teaching, but also in pedagogy, um, psycholinguistics, and neuroscience. Um, so it was, as I said before, natural for me to uh, choose this profession. I currently work, as you mentioned, at Futura School and International School of Stockholm, which is a grade one to nine independent school uh, located in central Stockholm. We are an independent school. We are offering the IPC in primary and the IMYC curriculum in middle school, while our year nine, our grade nine students, are studying a preparatory program for high school education. Very nice. And it sounds like you enjoyed that. You've been there for quite a while now. So in the International Middle Years Curriculum, or the IMYC, after the entry point in the process to facilitate learning, the knowledge harvest, or sometimes a pre-assessment, takes place in the early stages of each unit. The knowledge harvest provides an opportunity for students to reveal what they already know about what they are studying. The teacher can then analyze this information and use it to guide planning and differentiation. And this bank of knowledge can then be added to, developed, and even challenged by the teacher throughout the course of the unit. So I have a couple of questions about the knowledge harvest. So with your experience over time, First, what does a great knowledge harvest look like and feel like to you and for your students? Right. I would like to give some practical examples if that is okay. We are trying to vary a lot the way we're doing our knowledge harvests to keep it interesting for our students. 
So a few things that we try are brain dumps, which is literally a drawing or a sketch of the human brain with space for students to write what they already know about the topic, as well as later add what they have learned at the end of the unit. We are also using posters and other creative activities such as role plays for students again to express their knowledge and current understanding of the topics they are about to study and develop further their knowledge on. Post-its, uh, post-it notes is something that we uh, use a lot of. You can uh, do a lot with post-its. You can create posters and visuals on the walls. You can create uh, the KWL charts, so the know, want to know and learned charts on the wall. So it is a, a fantastic uh, opportunity for students to refer back to it if it is in their classrooms on the wall all the time. Very often we do the traditional KWL charts in the notebook so the students and parents have access to it at home. And one of my personal favorites, I would say, are surveys, Kahoot, Socrative, something in a similar format, because it gives the teacher the opportunity to have an overview of the entire class, as well as to give the same survey or the same quiz to the students at the end of the unit, both for her or him and uh, the students to see the progress and the learning that has taken place by the end of the year. And so you mentioned about a brain dump. Like, right. So for those who might not know what that means or what it is, can you go into a bit more detail about what that is? So we are using a very, very simple sketch or drawing of the human brain, and we divide this in half literally, giving space for the students to go and fill in what they already know about a specific topic. So say they are going to learn about the Cold War. Definitely they have heard things about it or read or watched films. So they're going to go and fill out what they have um, already learned at home or in a previous unit or year. And then they will review this at the end of the unit or during the unit together with their teachers going and filling in the new information they have, the new knowledge they have um, acquired. Hmm, very good. Now, some educators might know about Kahoot, but can you explain a little bit more about what Kahoot is and how you've also used that in the classroom? Kahoot, quizzes, Socrative Quizlet, they are all very similar and we use all of them. They are websites or platforms in which you can create simple multiple choice quizzes or true or false quizzes. A lot of them, Kahoot, for example, can be played as games. They have this competitive nature too, which students like. And at the end, you as an educator get a spreadsheet with your students' results. So you can review them with the students or on your own, and you can, at the end of the unit, give uh, the same test, the same quiz to the students in order for them and you to see their progress. So this is a great tool to get that instant feedback and uh, to see where you can go in the unit. Especially teenagers love the competitive aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing you had mentioned about surveys as well. Mm -hmm. How does the survey look and how does that um, work as a, a knowledge harvest? It's quite similar as a concept. We are using Google Surveys and Socrative, as I said before, both of them are free and any educator really has access to them. So I would highly encourage them. So again, you can create multiple choice questions or short answer questions, um, open-ended questions, depending on what the topic you're going to teach is. 
and depending on what you want to uh, to see from your students. So it allows for a lot of flexibility um, because knowledge harvest is subject specific and every teacher has different needs in that sense. And again, you have the opportunity to receive the results of your students and to discuss them with them. And that can be used then to inform your planning for the unit. Fantastic. And I like your combination of using paper and using, you know, digital technology to help gauge and pre-assess where we're going in a unit. So what about structure? What are the best ways to structure a knowledge harvest in regard to time and organization? For example, should all subject teachers individually complete a knowledge harvest within the classroom? This is a very good question. Um, we recently realized that we do knowledge harvest in two different stages or two different ways. Uh, the first one, it sort of starts in the entry point because the students are always given the opportunity to express their knowledge and understanding about the concepts of the big idea. Sometimes vocabulary might be too advanced for them or the meaning behind the big idea might be quite confusing. So the first knowledge harvest happens collectively during the entry point activities when the students are having discussions or different tasks around the big idea. Then, of course, as a school, we expect that every subject teacher will be doing an individual knowledge harvest because it gives students the opportunity, the time and the place to reflect on the specific subjects, on the specific topics and retrieve information from the past, as well as show a lot of curiosity about the new unit for each subject area. And I love that you are doing it twofold, using that knowledge harvest within understanding what the big idea is and what they might know in general, and then taking it into the subject. Exactly, um, making it more specific. And being more specific. That's a really great way of looking at how you should gather this information and where you go next. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Why should teachers complete a knowledge harvest with the process to facilitate learning? Why is it there? Because I think that sometimes maybe it's a step that, oh, it's a small one. We can just go right into the learning tasks and other activities. So what are some of the benefits to complete one with the students? There are definitely a lot of benefits and you come to realize them the more you do the knowledge harvest, the more you incorporate them in your planning and in your curriculum. One of the main benefits for the students and of course for the teachers is that, as I said before, it makes the students more curious for the new unit. Already from the beginning, they get the opportunity to think about the topics that the teachers have just introduced to them and explore them further. For the teachers, it is one of the best ways to differentiate your planning for the students. It will ensure that you adjust your planning to the group that you have that year, to their specific needs, to their specific interests, and it gives you a great visual representation, a great opportunity to, as we said before, to compare the results of the students at the beginning and at the end of the unit and to make sure that no one is left behind, that every single child will have learned something by the end of that unit of learning. Ah, very good. And I think it's an important part about that differentiation. It really helps to set the tone and to see the standards of where you're going in the classroom. So here's another question that mm -hmm. comes up. What are some of the common mistakes that may right. exist about implementing a knowledge harvest in the classroom? And this comes also from personal experience because you try and learn, right? So one of the most common mistakes I would say is to Leave it very unstructured, have a little structure around how you do your knowledge harvest or giving the students very open-ended questions. 
they will definitely, they're teenagers, they will definitely have a million questions or ideas or thoughts around a certain topic. So you have to know to have in mind as an educator what type of information you are looking to elicit from them and plan accordingly. That's why we think that it's uh, fantastic that we have so many options, so many different ways to do the knowledge harvest. And it shouldn't be, sometimes it can be spontaneous, but usually it should be something that you really take into consideration when you are planning your unit at the beginning of the year. The other common mistake is not being consistent with it, either not doing it in every unit, not completing a knowledge harvest, or not going back to it at the end of the unit to do the comparison, to reference it with your students and individually, or not taking it into account at all in your planning. Just doing it and moving on is like not doing it at all. I hope you're enjoying the International Curriculum Specialist Series. To find out the latest updates or want to share your thoughts on the series, connect with us via our socials on Twitter at FW underscore education or on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Fieldwork Education. Now back to our interview. Yeah, so it sounds like structure. Yeah. And it also sounds like consistency of how you use it. I also like how you said that you come back to it at the end of a unit. Um, with that in mind, do you uh, have that on the wall, the knowledge harvest and those results constantly throughout the unit? Or how is that so you can continually reference that or look at it at the end? Ideally, you should keep adding to it throughout the unit rather than just at the end. If you're not able to do that, of course, it would be nice to have the results there at least for a week before you have to change your wall displays for the new unit and to have a small event, a small celebration at the end of it. Maybe when the students are going to work on their reflections, they can be given the opportunity to go look at the wall display with the knowledge harvest results or open their notebooks or go to the document that they might have used, the Google survey that they might have used, and refer back to the knowledge harvest to prepare for the reflection and prepare them for the exit point activities. That's really lovely. I love that part about that reflection and preparation and looking back to see where you are now moving forward and what you've kind of gained and learned in the process. Okay. So very good. <laughs> uh, it gives them a lot of responsibility and a lot of agency. Yes, very good. Well said. Can you tell me about a time in your teaching and your IMYC coordinator position when you saw that the knowledge harvest really impacted student learning? Like what happened? I can start with an example from my English class. I taught the same unit for a few years in a row and it was a grade eight unit. And last year in the knowledge harvest, I noticed that the students had already acquired the knowledge that I was planning to teach them or revise throughout the unit. And it was quite consolidated. So that gave me the opportunity to review my planning, choose maybe some more advanced concepts that I could see the students could possibly cope with and place a lot more emphasis on skills, spend more time on skills development. So this was really interesting and very rewarding. Challenging, of course, because you have to make a lot of changes in the planning, but also rewarding at the end because you realize that you're actually working towards making a change for them making a difference for them. As a coordinator, I would say I have noticed that the general feeling of students has been changing throughout the units towards the knowledge harvest. And I mean, it's been changing for the best because they, most of our students now 
naturally expected to happen at the beginning of the unit in every subject. They know what it is, they are able to talk about it. And the curiosity that it allows them to showcase follows them throughout the unit in the learning activities as well as their exit point projects. And I like what you said about the sense of maybe they know the knowledge and maybe I need to go more skills focused. Have you ever done a skills harvest? Like knowing what their skills are? Exactly. We are using the assessment for learning program for that, or specifically the assessment for learning rubric. So what we, the way we do it is usually we give a skills-based task similar to what we're planning to do as a summative assessment, but on a smaller scale. At the beginning of the unit, you work together with your students or we work together with our students to check their work against the rubric expectations, the, the levels, and then we refer back to it throughout the unit and at the end of the unit. Yeah, that's great. So along with that knowledge harvest, how else can we best differentiate instruction? We've talked a little bit about that. This was actually what I had in mind. This is another way that we do it, exactly the assessment for learning program which I have already spoken about, but a third way is reflection time, giving reflection opportunities and journaling opportunities to the students throughout the unit, giving them, and not just at the end of it, I mean, giving them opportunities for peer feedback and self-assessment, both on knowledge-based tasks and skills-based tasks during their unit of learning is a great way for you as a teacher to get a lot of feedback yourself in a way adjust your planning, see what different needs might arise throughout those six weeks of learning. Yeah, very cool. So how about your experience about where you see education also heading in the next 10 years? Where do you think what you're doing now and what will change or what might stay the same? Where I hope to see education turning is to more student empowerment, more student agency. And I'm personally very happy that this has become more explicit in the IMYC too. For this to happen, I do believe that there's a great need for wider access to technology and for more emphasis on educating students how to responsibly and efficiently use technology at school. Because sometimes we think that just giving them access to the internet at school, well, most schools have that, but giving them a personal computer or an iPad will achieve that, but really it needs to be embedded in the curriculum, which in the case of the MOSC has actually happened with the digital literacy learning goals. It gives us, as educators, a great framework to teach the students how to responsibly do research, how to take action on their learning, become agents of their own learning, rather than passive recipients of what the teachers are teaching them. And with that in mind, it sounds like you're already shaping and working towards where you want education to go within your school. So looking into that, what sort of things do you do or recommend for that concept that you said about providing instruction with using digital tools or the ways of making them more effective in the classroom? What sort of things do you do? And that could also help with the exit point down the road. Definitely. I think the first step is to make sure that the teachers, the educators in a school are able to support students with that, not just the technology or the ICT teacher, not just the digital literacy teacher, but every single teacher is well-equipped and well-educated on that. The second step would be to make time in the schedule for those uh, digital literacy and ICT learning goals to 
properly be taught for the students to learn how to be responsible in that aspect of their education. Going back to the knowledge harvest, because it sounds like you do use that technology into that knowledge harvest. Is there any training on that for students who might come in or might not have that kind of experience? Do you budget that time in and to explain the process of how how to use Kahoot or Google Docs or whatever the case might be? Definitely. And I would say in cases like this, the best teachers are their own classmates. It is almost natural to them to help each other, especially in the teenage years when most of them have these skills already, let's be honest. But definitely when we have new students, the rest of them embrace them and they do show them around the school and they do teach them how to use the technology that the school expects of them to be able to use. And of course, teachers will support them, but it happens uh, more naturally with the students themselves. And it probably sounds like maybe the students might teach the teacher in the process for some of these technological too. skills. <laughs> that definitely happens too. And we are all very grateful that we have the opportunity to learn from them yeah. and, uh, and develop in this way. That's great. Well, as a takeaway, we love takeaways. And mm-hmm. you've given us lots of ideas. You've given us lots of things to think about, particularly with the knowledge harvest and how to structure and how to be consistent. But what is one takeaway you would like the listeners and viewers to know about with your time and experience with the IMYC? Right. I would say not to skip any of the steps of the learning process, let alone the knowledge harvest, because you never know where it is going to take you. It makes your teaching experience much more interesting and varied every year. It gives really valuable data, really valuable feedback to teachers. It, as we said before, it empowers students, gives them the opportunity to have a say in their learning. Uh, So I would definitely say don't skip it and be consistent with it when you complete knowledge harvests. Very good. And just a personal note, when viewing your school in the accreditation process and seeing what you did incredibly with the Knowledge Harvest, I couldn't think of a better school to sit down and interview for the specialist series on this topic because you live and breathe the idea of checking in this Knowledge Harvest, the pre-assessment. So I want to thank you so much for your time today of sharing some of your tips and your advice for how to embed this culture of knowledge harvest, pre-assessment, and all those other little tips that you've shared today. So thank you very much, Maria. Thank you so much again. Bye-bye. An important takeaway from this interview with Maria is the role that the knowledge harvest serves in the learning process. The risk of not doing a knowledge harvest, or even not returning to it later in a unit, can affect the trajectory of your planning and the effectiveness of your teaching. Use the Knowledge Harvest as a guide to see what your students may already know about a big idea within each subject. How do you use Knowledge Harvest in the classroom? What are some of your best examples? What did you take away from this interview? We would love to hear your thoughts on our socials on Twitter at FW underscore education or Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Fieldwork Education. 